Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the award-winning Hospital Finance Podcast. Each year, the Healthcare Executive Group gathers healthcare executives from payer, provider, and healthcare technology organizations to rank their top 10 challenges and opportunities going into the next year. However, 2020 presented a host of new challenges that reshuffle priorities among these groups. To talk us through the issues that are at the top of the list for key healthcare executives, I'm joined by Ferris Taylor, Executive Director of the Healthcare Executive Group. Ferris, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Always enjoy our discussions, Ferris. Um, And for those who may not be familiar with the Healthcare Executive Group, could you just start out by telling us a bit about your organization? I would love to, and I'll be brief, uh, Mike. Uh, uh, HCG is a national network of health plan and provider executives primarily focused on innovation and technology. We're celebrating our 33rd year in working together to improve and reshape healthcare. And in today's environment, that's a big statement. Uh, uh, But I think it's important for your listeners to recognize that we were founded by a technology company, uh, Digital Equipment, or DEC, uh, back in 1988, uh, when they disbanded their healthcare users group. And uh, basically, that group of users uh, came back and said, wait a minute, we... uh, We want to continue the type of discussions that we're having. We find value independent of the technology company that was coordinating the users group in networking and sharing perspectives, uh, uh, as we'll talk today about the issues and challenges and opportunities across the whole healthcare spectrum. Uh, So HCG continues to exist to facilitate that kind of exchange and dialogue and networking as you and I are doing here today. We do webinars, roundtables, and uh, lots of discussion around critical issues. Our overall mission is guiding healthcare executives through innovation, change, and growth. So uh, listeners can learn more at hcg.org, uh, but that's, uh, that's our organization. Excellent. Thank you for that summary, Ferris. So let's start off. Your group made a decision to move forward into 2021 by asking healthcare executives to reprioritize their 2020 priorities in light of the pandemic. So why don't you start out by running us through the 2020 list briefly, and then we can focus on the areas that maybe moved up on the list. I'd be glad to do that. It's it's interesting, Michael, it's traditional uh, 10 or 15 years HCG at the end of the year with our member uh, organizations, which were more typically the smaller uh, regional health plans and the uh, uh, integrated delivery systems provider organizations. Uh, we end the year by going through a David Letterman type of process to vote on from a list of 25 or 30 potential issues, a top 10 list. And you and I, uh, a year ago, uh, beginning of uh, 2020, talked about uh, what was on that 2020 list. And uh, uh, what happened was uh, we did not have our annual meeting, three-day meeting, where we really dive into these issues. So it was important for us this year to step back and say, okay, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, 
everybody in healthcare is scrambling to catch up and get on top of, of COVID. We're in the middle of social unrest, uh, uh, going through a, a, an election cycle with all of the uh, divisive political discussions that are there. Uh, we didn't have the opportunity to really say, let's start from scratch again and create a 2020, 2021 list. But in the middle of COVID, we did say, it's time to ask the industry, given the crisis, what's changed in that 2020 list that you and I talked about a year ago. And so we went out with a survey. Uh, it was an industry pulse survey, but a COVID flash survey. And basically asked people to look at that top 20 list. And you and I talked about the first five on the list for the 2020. Uh, I'll just quickly review them. Cost and transparency was at the top of the list. And, and, you know, with surprise billing and uh, the unaffordability of uh, uh, health care interventions, if you didn't have insurance, uh, the fact that uh, for six years or so we've been dealing with the Affordable Care Act, and it's funny that affordable was in the ACA terminology. I think it was Accessible Care Act, and we made great progress there, but we didn't make progress with the cost side of healthcare. And so cost and transparency uh, moved up uh, uh, on the list um, in 2020, uh, but right behind it was the whole consumer experience. I think healthcare has been challenged to make uh, healthcare access and interventions easy and convenient and timeline, timely, streamlined, uh, uh, integrated, cohesive to fit into what I like to call the life flow of the individuals and the families uh, that uh, are dealing with medical situations. So number two was consumer experience. Delivery transformation was a, a new terminology uh, of uh, the top 10 in 2020. And that's a very robust uh, uh, top 10 issue, uh, operationalizing and scaling um, uh, the delivery system to be able to deal with uh, the consumer transformation, but also uh, what we like to call value-based care, value-based reimbursement. But our members were also talking about social determinants of health, improving health quality and outcomes and like that. Data and analytics, uh, number four on the t uh, 2020 list, uh, leveraging the new technologies, the advanced analytics, but also new sources of very disparate, non-standard, unstructured, and highly variable, variable data. Again, genomic data, uh, social, economic, financial data integrated with healthcare data. And that related to number five that you and I talked about in terms of interoperability and consumer access to data. CMS had announced uh, the, the FIRE initiative, the Fast Health Information Access uh, Initiative. Um, so data and analytics were there and interoperability related directly to that. It's interesting that six and seven and eight on the top 10 2020 list, next generation, well, holistic individual health and next generation payment models uh, and accessible points of care with those those next uh, three issues. And part of that related to uh, how do you get around both the integration of medical and mental behavioral health 
but also social determinants of health, the, the whole individual and the whole population. Uh, here we were last, last year, Mike, talking about that. Uh, little did we know what would be coming down the pike with, uh, with COVID. Uh, and so you and I can talk today about uh, next generation models. Uh, accessible points of care was the whole remote access, telehealth, mHealth, wearable devices, digital devices, uh, retail and home health uh, based care that came into play. Health policy was number nine on the list, I think primarily because of uh, uh, coming into the election cycle, the poli politics around uh, Medicare for all or single payer, uh, uh, Medicaid buy-in block grants and, and all of those things. Uh, of course, health policy was there. And I think rounding off the top 10 list, my privacy and security, a, a critical issue that's been out there uh, from um, a number of years ago, but healthcare is in the crosshairs from cybersecurity point of view and attacks, ransomware and like that. So that was the top 20 that we came into 2020 uh, with. Uh, and uh, any questions or comments that you have there? Well, it is certainly interesting as you began to survey um, everyone who you know, initially set those priorities, uh, how things changed. Uh, we saw the consumer experience moving from number two, which is pretty strong, but it went right to number one. Uh, and that's maybe not surprising given the environment that we're in. What can you tell us about what they were thinking there? Uh, we could probably spend the whole time just on that, that one issue. I think that, uh, uh, really, COVID and the pandemic. Uh, I like to think the the last few months about uh, a Michael uh, Mike Tyson quote. Uh, you know, everybody has a plan till they get uh, 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 popped in the mouth. Uh, and COVID was certainly not just a one hit to the mouth. We're what on our third or fourth wave of uh, surges. Uh, healthcare has taken a a, a, a real hit. But in the middle of that hit is the recognition that uh, we need a more consumer-centric healthcare system. Uh, you know, consumerism has been oh, online appointment scheduling. Well, that was that was really wonderful. It's a, it's a bit of convenience, uh, but even around that, there are a lot of fundamentals that needed to change to really put the consumer and the patient at the center of healthcare. And COVID has, in, uh, in all of the negatives that it's, uh, that it's created, it has definitely exposed uh, the flaws and the, uh, the gaps that we have in making that transition to a more consumer-centric uh, healthcare. And, you know, both the payer at 64% and the provider at 53% uh, now indicate a much stronger interest in and an accelerated adoption of consumer-centric care. Uh, from a personal point of view, it's always been intriguing to me, uh, Mike, and you and I and your listeners, uh, as opposed to many uh, products and services in the marketplace, we are all consumers of healthcare. And it should be very easy for us to step back and say, uh, as a consumer, well, how would I like this healthcare system 
to to function. And rather than a a, a current experience projected forward, I think what COVID has forced us to do is to say out beyond uh, COVID, out beyond BC before COVID, what should healthcare look back look like, and then work backwards from that. Um, a colleague of mine, Clayton Christensen, who passed away a year ago, uh, uh, Innocite, his organization is continuing this, and they they've written an entire book on how to frame innovation. And I, I highly recommend it to the listeners. But to do that in the context of consumer-centric healthcare, something happens to us, Mike. Every one of us working in healthcare, when we well, we used to walk through the front door of the office. We take off our consumer hat, put on our business hat, and forget what it's like to be a consumer. Uh, even if we're working from home, um, it's it's very easy at least for me, to think about what healthcare should be in a consumer-centric world. Um, but we have, we have a long ways to go. So it wasn't surprising to me when we did this uh, COVID-based uh, flash survey and ask about reprioritizing reprior- the 2020 top 10 list that consumerism went to the top of the list. Yeah, and an even bigger jump, perhaps, was the accessible points of care, and that moved from number eight up to number four on the list. And, and again, one, one could see, as you've mentioned, why that might move up, but uh, can you add some color around that for us? Well, and uh, a good friend and colleague of mine, Anmon Johnson, a few years ago stepped into uh, uh, the American Telemedicine Association, and uh, uh, what a perfect timing. Uh, for sure, uh, when, the, when the COVID crisis hit, uh, uh, in-person care uh, became less attractive. Uh, providers didn't want patients coming into their office. Patients didn't want to, to be going out into the, uh, the public to, to get exposed to COVID. So the, the big component of that change was uh, telehealth telemedicine. I've talked with provider uh, groups, hospital systems and like that, that uh, prior to COVID said they may have had 30 or 40 uh, uh, telephone consults uh, a month. And within a month after the uh, March 13th and the the recognition that we were in the middle of a a pandemic, uh, their telehealth consults uh, we're in the neighborhood of 3,000 consults a month. Uh, now, naturally, there are a lot of infrastructure and adoption and uh, uh, other challenges that had to be addressed. But also, uh, accessible points of care, especially uh, virtual care consults, uh, became accept- accessible and Executive orders, health plans, uh, change reimbursements so that uh, providers were being reimbursed, reimbursed on an equal basis to in-person consults. Uh, copays were uh, uh, delayed uh, or, or no longer applied to telehealth consults. But I think we need to look beyond just the virtual care consults uh, to what has happened with uh, 
remote patient monitoring, uh, using medical devices and making that data more accessible between patients and providers, uh, in-home uh, care, uh, chronic condition, behavioral health consults uh, have, have changed dramatically as well. So underneath that, uh, that transition to uh, number four, in terms of accessible points of care, uh, it, it very much was fundamentally that uh, providers and patients were forced into a situation where they wanted to give it a try. And the incentives, the reimbursement environment was such that they were willing to give it a try. And we actually ask in the flash survey, we drilled into this uh, telehealth, uh, telemedicine uh, concept in quite a bit of detail, and I won't go into all of that, but um, the results of our research were that uh, telehealth volumes are here to stay, uh, that the providers uh, have now found it convenient, patients, uh, consumers, once again, fits into their lifestyle and uh, uh, they will question now whether they need to go to the doctor's office where they can do a, a, a telehealth consult. Uh, it's less in, intensive from a resource point of view and it's not for everything, but uh, telehealth is, uh, is now front and center. We also ask questions about uh, reimbursement and most of the payers uh, are saying that telehealth reimbursement will actually be more after COVID than it was uh, during COVID. Uh, the, uh, the providers uh, for the physicians and the hospitals, uh, this is really good news uh, because they haven't had the, re the reimbursement uh, for telehealth or virtual consults that they had for in-person consults. Now, you know, um, it will, it will yet to be seen how, how that carries on beyond uh, COVID. Uh, we're not there yet. Uh, we've seen uh, back in October, October 1st, a uh, number of health plans when the executive orders started to uh, disappear, uh, started applying copays and applying those to deductibles and uh, reimbursement uh, started to change. So this still has to settle out. But there is no doubt that accessible points of care and consumerism or consumer-centric health care are going to be critical going forward. Well said, um, Ferris. Next area I wanted to, to touch on with you was health care policy. And that just moved up a notch from number nine to number eight on your list. But that's a pretty big umbrella. So can you give us some context around that topic? Well, the challenge, Michael, with uh, for, for a number of years with HCG and our, our top 10 is, you know, you put these issues out there and they're, they're all pretty big umbrellas. But at any point in time, there are components of that umbrella that become uh, uh, much more uh, critical and, and much more focused. I, I will say that in terms of healthcare policy, uh, back going into 2020, it was more around what will be the political environment uh, 
and and the administrative environment around uh, healthcare. And again, I, I had mentioned Medicare for all or single payer or uh, Medicaid buy up. Uh, those were all discussions going into 2020. Uh, but now, uh, given the COVID experience, uh, it was not surprising to me that healthcare policy uh, became much more important. Uh, uh, later, we can drill down, or, or listeners can go to the research itself and see the details. But uh, especially for the hospitals and the physicians, uh, their lifeline during COVID uh, was uh, the executive orders and the funding that was going into the hospitals and the attention that was given to getting the right supplies, the uh, uh, personal protection equipment, the ventilators, um, I think we're still going to see, and in responding to the COVID flash survey, I think everybody was saying, okay, we're not out of this if COVID starts uh, uh, declining. We still got to have a rollout of uh, a vaccination process. And that's gonna be a long-term issue that's going to need some healthcare policy put around it. Uh, Of course, we're we're now coming on the other side of the elections. Uh, There were surprises there. It was uh, not what a lot of people expected, uh, one side or the other, but in fact, Healthcare policy is still front and center in uh, the Senate, the Congress, the executive office, and uh, who knows where the judicial side will come down on healthcare policy. But it is a top uh, uh, issue. I would also say that as we dove into the research, um, there's what COVID has exposed is the disparities in healthcare and the in, inequities in healthcare. And that is a component of healthcare policy that is trying to be addressed. Uh, we as a society, uh, morally and socially, um, are not willing to accept what we've actually experienced in COVID with the inequality and the inequity of, of what's happened in healthcare. And that type of a topic will move right into healthcare policy. And, and uh, so we expect uh, that, uh, that issue to be there. And at the point where we start with a brand new 2021 uh, uh, top 10 list, uh, uh, I expect that that could even move up uh, significantly further in the in the top 10 list. I'm glad you pointed it out because it was down at the bottom, didn't move a lot, but to make that kind of a move in the middle of COVID uh, deserves some of our attention. No doubt, no doubt. And uh, you already had a, a pretty robust list of, of 10 uh, topics, uh, but COVID exposed several more and these healthcare leaders uh, added added a number of items to your list as the result of the pandemic. What are some of the highlights there, Ferris? So to put this in context, uh, in that flash survey in August and September, when we, you know, in the middle of COVID, when we went out, um, you know, the first question that we ask is, is this 2020 10 list, top 10 list, uh, still the list of priorities? 
And the first thing that I saw, 34% of the responders, and that was 288 uh, primarily health plan provider, uh, 40% of them were C-suite executives that responded, but 288 people across the country. uh, Basically, 34% said, nope, that's the list of priorities. And that was in the middle of COVID. So that was a higher percentage than I expected. When I add everything together, uh, about two-thirds were saying, uh, no, the list needs to be prioritized or needs to be added to. And actually, 20%, 19% were saying uh, there are critical things that need to be added to the list. So we've already talked about what changed uh, in the aggregate level. I, going back to one of your earlier questions, uh, Mike, it is, it is interesting to me when we break out payers versus providers that on that number one issue, uh, yes, in total, uh, cost and uh, or, or uh, cost and transparency, uh, you know, was at the top of the list. Got replaced by uh, consumer uh, experience uh, in total, and purva- uh, payers still had that as the top issue. Uh, providers had cost and transparency as the top issue because of the financial crisis that they were facing in the middle of COVID. So uh, there, uh, there is a lot of detail that's down underneath this. Uh, but in answer to your question, uh, we had a hundred and some odd suggestions of what should be added <laughs> to, the, uh, to the top 10 list. And uh, we sorted through those. It was an open-ended question rather than us uh, putting a, a preconceived list of what should be added to the top 10 out there. So we had to do some word mapping and like that. As would be expected, uh, the major thing that needs to be added to the top 10 list uh, is the COVID-19, but it's broader than that. It's really pandemic-related issues. Those dominated... Uh, that new priority list uh, for the top 10. Uh, Providers uh, had to be focused on the surge in the ER and intensive care of COVID patients, and and we're finding the financial support collapsing around them, and businesses were shifting to work from home, and uh, we had flaws in testing uh, rollout and medical equipment and like that. So it it doesn't... shocked me that pandemic preparedness, which to some degree, and I, I, you know, we haven't researched it the way that a lot of other organizations had, but, you know, we had pandemic uh, preparedness uh, pro- plans in place as a healthcare industry. I spent a couple of years on the hospital side and I know, you know, 15 years ago, Uh, we had plans set aside to deal with the pandemic. Um, But those need to be reinforced. Uh, I think everybody's now saying, will will this or what will be the next pandemic that comes along? And uh, how should we take the lessons learned from COVID? And we're still learning them uh, going into the vaccination process. Uh, but how do we take that big issue? And again, it's it's a broad definition if I put it out there, but I would really say that it's the COVID-19 pandemic response is the number one thing 
that needs to be added to the top 10. Um, Another topic that there were a lot of comments around uh, was that uh, telemedicine uh, component. And we've already talked about that. And we already had that in the top 10 list under accessible points of care. But that's going to need a lot more clarification and and detail put into it. Uh, So I would simply add that to the existing top 10. The, the third primary suggestion that I, I think is going to carry forward for some time as a priority that needs to be added to this top 10 list, uh, we ended up calling it, Mike, uh, supply chain optimization or configuration. Uh, there's still a lot of discussion, uh, uh, both at the uh, guidelines level, whether it's CDC or, or the government or the state administration of how you roll out vaccines, who gets vac- vaccinated first, uh, uh, where does uh, each segment of the population fall in the supply chain. We'd already addressed that, not addressed it, we were facing it when we did the COVID survey um, in terms of personal protection equipment. I, I can't tell you, we have on our uh, in our association a medical director uh, from a major uh, integrated delivery system on the East Coast and once a week on Fridays, um, uh, this medical director goes to a community health center and practices. And in talking with her, she did not have N95 masks. Uh, and this was in August. We still had not been supplying them. I have a brother-in-law that had been importing from China N95 masks and boxed up 20 of them and sent them to her. But, uh, you know, uh, not to beat a dead horse, but we all know that the supply chain from an equipment uh, point of view, from a vaccination point of view, from a prescription point of view, uh, needed to function differently. And I think there will be a lot of focus on that. Uh, Other things that kind of fit into um, other topics already on the top 10, addressing the disparities in healthcare we've talked about. Interesting, as I looked at those 100-plus additions that were suggested, data and analytics took on a new term, and we ought to add it into it, and that was the integration of data and analytics into the healthcare system. Now, on our top 10 list, number five, we talked about it a year ago, Michael, was interoperability and consumer access to data. But It isn't just the access, it's integration of that data and analytics uh, into the healthcare system. And the final one that I would mention for the listeners uh, that came out of this list of suggested things that needed to be added to the top 10 is just that broad category of improving healthcare quality. And we were experiencing experiencing that in the middle of COVID. Uh, It is now front and center. Uh, How it would get ranked if we had it as a separate category or whether it belongs in uh, healthcare policy, whether it belongs in the next generation payment models that that we have ahead of us. But uh, that whole uh, improving 
outcomes and quality. Uh, it, it also fits into that number two or number three topic that uh, that we see in the reprioritized list around delivery system transformation. Healthcare needs to restructure around consumerism, around value-based care. Uh, core to that is access, access to care, confidence in the quality of care, focus on the outcomes that come out of care as opposed to just the activities that we typically do in healthcare. Those were the primary additions that we saw come out of the uh, the research. We actually share the word map, uh, the size of the words uh, show the number of times that those issues were, uh, were mentioned in the research. And I think every single organization can benefit by looking at the research itself and saying to themselves, which of these things apply to my organization, my hospital, my physician practice, my health plan? Uh, we're in different geographies. We're in, in different economic settings. And so um, no organization, Mike, can deal with 10 issues at once in HCG top 10. There's two or three that are important to each organization. And for the interim period here, HCG is putting out a 2021 list, which is a reprioritized that we've talked about, 2020 list plus, and it's that augmented list of uh, top 10 issues that includes pandemic response, supply chain optimization, and the addition of, of these other topics into the already existing top 10 list that, that we've talked about today. And if, Ferris, if someone wanted to read more about that or get a copy of those results, where can they go? Uh, you know, you can always go to the HCG uh, website, hcg.org. We actually have created, created a, a bit.ly uh, link to the HCG uh, COVID uh, flash survey results. It's bit.ly HCG C19 or bit.ly slash H-C-E-G-C-19. And uh, that will also link to the detailed research and uh, other things that are there. Uh, I will say, sort of in closing, Michael, that um, I have a favorite quote. Uh, you know, from our last uh, interviews over the last couple of years, I, I, I'm one that always finds context in quotes. But there's an E.L. Dr. Al quote out there that I, I use a lot. And I think it's very relevant to where we're at right now in healthcare. And that is this. It's like driving at night in the fog. You can only see as far as your headlights. But remember, you can make the whole trip this way. And we lose sight of that sometimes we're in, the, in a blinding snowstorm or in the fog. Uh, uh, you know, I'm going to stop and pull over. And if healthcare stops and pulls over in the middle of this COVID uh, pandemic, we'll get rear-ended. Re there are a lot of consumer-centric companies out there. We talked about this back uh, last year, Mike. Uh, you know, Amazon, Facebook, Google, uh uh, the uh, the WalMarts and the uh, CVSs, the the Walgreens. There's lots of companies out there that are looking at healthcare and saying, 
we can do this better. So if we stop moving forward, we're going to get run over. But also, we can't go too fast or you miss the turnoffs. Uh, you miss the intersection and we'll have to stop and go back. So there's an appropriate degree of caution. But uh, and I'm essentially an optimist. Uh, we can get through this. We will get through this. Uh, we just have to keep moving forward. And, uh, you know, we haven't mentioned it, Michael, but one of the things that uh, as I look at the last year or two of research and discussions with our members, the very best news in all of this is not talked about a whole lot. But if I look back at industry pulse that we released in February of 2020, just before the COVID crisis, it was uh, that payers and providers were not on the same page. They uh, they disagreed about how important consumerism was. Uh, uh, providers were not uh, all that excited about uh, buying into value-based care and value-based reimbursement. The best news of all in a global basis with respect to the COVID research is that has changed dramatically. Payers and providers are now putting these priorities in the same priority order. They're coming to the table to collaborate and cooperate and to look for out-of-the-box solutions, the third alternative, not just my way or your way, but a new way forward in healthcare. And... Uh, uh, it, deep down underneath the research of the COVID flash survey is a really exciting piece of information that payers and providers are now coming together and looking together for solutions. And there are dozens of examples of that that we could talk about, Michael. But that's, uh, you know, we can make it through this. Let's not go too fast. Let's not go too slow. Uh, but let's keep driving forward in the middle of the of the pandemic and we will solve these problems. Ferris is always great insights and inspirational thoughts here uh, as we move into the next phase of things and certainly looking forward to uh, additional results from your group as we move through 2021 and uh, the healthcare landscape changes again. So uh, Ferris, thanks so much for coming back to the show. Uh, appreciate it. And you're always welcome back. And thank you, Michael, and, uh, and the best of 2021 to all of the listeners. I, uh, as, I, as I just said, uh, uh, we all as stakeholders can do a better job here. And, you know, we see more change in 10 or 12 months than we've seen in 10 or 12 years. And all of that change is, is great. It will help us have a better healthcare system BC or uh, before COVID versus after COVID. So uh, uh, great success for 2021. And we look forward to working with uh, all of your listeners on the best solutions to move healthcare forward. Thank you. Stay well. Likewise. Thank you. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.